Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our interior lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Each season, we'll read through a great work, explain its spiritual principles, and help you apply its timeless wisdom to your life. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Confessions by St. Augustine. A few reminders before we get started. To download the reading plan for Confessions, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text CONFESSIONS to 33777. Click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily notifications. This is Day 58. Today we will be reading Book 13, Chapters 23-25 through 25 in the Ascension edition of the book. If you'd like to hear some of our conversations on other subjects, follow up with us and three of our brother priests on the podcast Godsplaining. There you'll find weekly episodes on a variety of Catholic themes with occasional guests, scriptural meditations, and special series. You can find Godsplaining with any podcast app on YouTube and at godsplaining.org. Before we get into the reading, a quick look at what we're covering today. As we continue to walk through the creation narrative in Genesis 1, St. Augustine draws out again the spiritual implications of the days of creation. Today he'll consider verse 26 of Genesis 1.26 and what it means for us to have been given power or dominion, as some scriptural translations have it, over things, over the created world. He'll discuss sort of the hierarchy of creation and dominion over that hierarchy. And Augustine also sees in the seeds and fruit of the earth an allegory of the works of mercy and of our sort of serving our neighbor. So we'll pick up with that commentary on the creation narrative after our prayer and reading. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chapter 23. But this judgment over all things is the meaning of the dominion that he is said to have over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all cattle and wild beasts, over all the earth, and over every living thing that crawls upon the earth. For he exercises this dominion by means of his mind's understanding, by which he perceives those things that are of the Spirit of God. Otherwise, when set in the place of honor, man has no understanding and became like the brute beasts and was like unto them. Therefore, in your church, O our God, according to your grace, which you have bestowed upon her, for we are the work of your hands, created to do good works, there are not only those who are spiritually set over others, but also those who are spiritually subject to those that are set over them. For in this way you made man male and female in your spiritual grace, where there is neither male nor female as regards bodily sex, for there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, and both those set over others and those who obey are spiritual persons who spiritually judge. But such judgment is not rendered over that spiritual knowledge that shines in the firmament, for they should not judge so supreme an authority. Nor may they judge your book itself, even if someone does not shine forth clearly from it, for we submit our understanding to it and hold for certain that even what we cannot understand is nonetheless rightly and truly spoken. For man, though now spiritual and renewed in the knowledge of God, after the image of the one who created him, must be a doer of the law and not its judge. Nor does he 
judge concerning the distinction between spiritual and carnal men whom you see, O our God, though they have not yet revealed themselves to us by their works, so that we might know them by their fruits. But you, Lord, even now know them, and have divided and called them in secret before even the firmament was fashioned. Nor does he, though spiritual, judge the tumultuous people of this world. For what could he do so as to judge those who are on the outside, while he does not know who among them shall later enter into the sweetness of your grace, and who will continue on in the everlasting bitterness of ungodliness? Therefore, man whom you have made after your own image, did not receive dominion over the lights of heaven, nor over that hidden heaven itself, nor over the day and the night, which you called forth before the foundation of the heaven, nor over the gathering of the waters of the sea. Rather, he received dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all cattle and wild beasts, over all the earth, and over every living thing that crawls upon the earth. For he judges and approves what he finds to be right, and he disapproves what he finds to be wrong, whether in the celebration of those sacraments of initiation, to which men come after your mercy seeks them out in the midst of the waters, or in the sacrament where the fish who was raised from the depths is now set forth so that the devout earth might feed upon him or in the expressions and signs of words subject to the authority of your book, with such signs coming forth from their mouths and sounding forth, flying like birds under the firmament, interpreting, expounding, discoursing, disputing, blessing, or praying to you, so that the people may answer Amen. These words are physically uttered because of this world's deep abyss and the blindness of the flesh, which cannot see thoughts, and so requires that such words be spoken aloud into human ears. Thus, although birds on the wing may multiply upon the earth, nonetheless they find their beginning in the waters. The spiritual man also judges by approving what is right and disapproving what he finds to be wrong in the works and the customs of the faithful their alms being like the earth that brings forth fruit, of the living soul living by the taming of the passions through chastity, fasting, and holy meditations about those things that are perceived through the bodily senses. Thus, he is now said to judge concerning all these matters, also having the power of correction over them. Chapter 24. But what is this? Yes, what kind of mystery? Behold, O Lord, you blessed mankind so that they might increase and multiply and fill the earth. Do you not thereby hint to us that there is something more to discover here? Why did you not similarly bless the light, which you called the day, nor the firmament of heaven, nor the lights, nor the stars, nor the earth, nor the sea? I would be tempted, O God, who created us after your image, to say that it had been your good pleasure to bestow this blessing uniquely upon man, if it were not for the fact that you had blessed the fish and the whales in a similar way, so that they could increase, multiply, and fill the waters of the sea, and also the birds too, so that they might multiply upon the earth. I might likewise be tempted to say that this blessing pertained properly to all creatures that are born of their own kind, if I had found the command given to the fruit trees, plants, and beasts of the earth. However, neither to the plants, nor the trees, nor the beasts, nor the serpent do you say, increase and multiply, even though all these multiply and continue their own kind through generation, just as fish, birds, and men do. What then shall I say, O truth, my light? Shall I say that these words were spoken idly, without any particular meaning? No, indeed, O father of piety, far be it from a minister of your word to say such a thing. And if I do not understand what you mean by the phrase, let my betters, that is, those of more understanding than myself, make better use of it, each in accord with how much you, my God, have given man the ability to understand. But let my confession also be pleasing in your eyes, as I confess to you, O Lord, that I believe that you did not speak these words in vain. 
nor will I stay silent about what this reading suggests to me. For these words are true, and I do not see what should prevent me from thus understanding the figurative meaning of the words in books. For I know that one given thing can be expressed by various bodily expressions, even though that thing is understood in only one way by the mind, and similarly, something can be understood in many ways in the mind, though it is expressed by one bodily expression. Behold the one love of God and our neighbor, and see how it is expressed bodily in so many ways, by how many sacraments and countless languages, and even in each particular language through how many countless ways of speaking. In this way, the offspring of the waters increase and multiply. Heed this again, whoever reads this, and behold how there is but one way that Scripture sets forth what the voice also says. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And yet is this not understood in many ways, not through any deceit of error, but rather in a variety of true senses? Thus do man's offspring increase and multiply. Therefore, if we conceive of the natures of things themselves, not allegorically, but properly, then the phrase increase and multiply applies to all things that come from seed. But if we interpret these words figuratively spoken, which I suppose more likely is the purpose of the scripture, which surely does not pointlessly ascribe this blessing only to the offspring of aquatic animals and man, then we find that multitudes can refer to spiritual creatures as well as bodily ones, so to speak, in heaven and earth, and to the righteous and unrighteous righteous, so to speak, in light and darkness, and likewise to holy authors who have been the ministers of the law unto us, so to speak, in the firmament that is set between the two waters. Similarly, it can refer to the society of men still in the bitterness of infidelity, as in the sea, and to the zeal of holy souls upon the dry land, and also to works of mercy belonging to this present life, as in the plant that bears seed and the trees that bear fruit." Likewise, to spiritual gifts set forth for edification, as in the lights of heaven, and to the affections formed by temperance, as in the living soul. In all these instances, we encounter multitudes, abundance, and increase. However, it is only through signs that are expressed bodily and things mentally conceived that we discover what shall thus increase and multiply, so that one thing may be expressed in many ways and one expression understood in many senses. By signs that are expressed bodily, we understand the begetting that takes place in the waters on account of the depths of the flesh, and by things mentally conceived, we understand human generations on account of the fruitfulness of reason. And therefore, we believe you, O Lord, to have said these kinds of things, increase and multiply. For in this blessing, I conceive that you have granted us the power and faculty both to express in several ways what we understand in only one way, and to understand in several ways what we read in words that are obscurely delivered in only one way. Thus, the waters of the sea come to be filled, being moved only by several meanings, and so too do human offspring fill the earth, arid insofar as it is filled with longing for you and ruled over by reason. Chapter 25 I also wish to say, O Lord my God, what the following scripture brings to my mind. Yes, I will speak and not fear, for I will speak the truth with you yourself inspiring me what you will for me to speak about those words. For by no other inspiration than your own do I believe that I speak the truth, for you are the truth and every man a liar. Therefore he who speaks a lie speaks from what is his own. Thus, in order that I might speak the truth, I will speak of what is yours. 
Behold, you gave us as food every plant upon all the earth, bearing seed, and every tree that brings forth its seed, bearing fruit. And not only to us did you give this, but also to all the birds of the air, the beasts of the earth, and all living things that crawl upon the earth. But you did not give them to the fish and the great whales. Now, as we said earlier, these fruits of the earth signify and allegorically symbolize the works of mercy that the fruitful earth provides for the needs of this life. Such an earth was the devout Onesiphorus, unto whose house you showed mercy because he often refreshed your Paul and was not ashamed of his chains. The same was done by the brethren in Macedonia, who bore much fruit by supplying for his needs. But how he grieved for some trees that did not give him the fruit owed to him, as when he said, At my first defense no one took my part, all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. For these fruits are owed to those who minister spiritual doctrine to us out of their understanding of the divine mysteries, and they are owed to them as men. However, they are also owed to them as living souls that provide examples for imitation in all forms of continence. And it is also owed unto them as flying creatures because of the blessings that have come forth from them and have multiplied upon the earth, for their voice has gone forth to the ends of the earth. All right, here we are. Genesis one twenty six. Moving right along, I guess, with St. Augustine. Keeping up, Father Gregory? Doing all right? I, I'm, I'm making my way. I'm also dropping books off my desk, but I think we should leave that in. It adds, a, it adds an air of genuineness. Yeah. <laughs> so, Genesis one twenty six. Here we have God giving power over all creation, or dominion. Um I think it might be helpful for us to talk about what it means to have power or dominion, why it is that we're given this power or dominion. St. Augustine um, also talks about the ability to judge spiritually, um, which might sound strange to us, especially because I think we often hear maybe say ourselves, you know, who am I to judge? Um, we'll see. So dominion, power, thoughts on that. Are we comfortable with it? Does it make us uncomfortable? Does it make us sort of tyrants? What's the deal? Yeah, so dominion, you know, dominion comes up in conversations about our interaction with creation, our interaction with each other. Uh, in the 21st century, it's an it's an interesting time to discuss dominion or the related concept of authority, whether we have authority by nature or by right, or whether it's a kind of political or social arrangement just for ordering things well. I think basically what we want to say is the dominion that's described here is a dominion that reflects man's exalted nature or his exalted kind of um, status among the different aspects of creation. So because we're higher than the rocks and the plants and the animals and things like that, that we have a kind of natural preeminence and that comes with it a certain authority or it comes with it a certain responsibility to steward, to guide, to direct. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. When it comes to our fellow you know, human beings, there's no clear one's better than the other. In fact, there isn't a clear one's better than the other because by virtue of our human nature, we're all equal uh, in dignity insofar as each of us is, is made to the image and likeness of God. Now, some of us might be stronger or faster or capable of jumping higher. I don't know why I went with an Olympic theme there, but it felt right. Uh, but that doesn't say that, you know, we ought to be able to dominate on account of the fact that dot, dot, dot. And in fact, domination amongst men and women is described as a punishment of sin in Genesis 3. So dominion is something like if we're going to be in social or political relationships where one's over the other, that's the type of thing where God gives a certain authority and it's reflected in the, the regime itself, but it's all in the service of, of justice. So I think that, you know, the 21st century is a tough time to discuss dominion or authority, but it's also a time in which we ourselves need to heal and grow from our fear 
fear of dominion because of this kind of shadow of domination which lingers behind it so that we can ultimately mature in our identity as Christians in communion with each other. Yeah, what's that saying with great whatever comes great responsibility? I'm trying I think to... great power. There you go. That's the end of the episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that rings true here. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. I don't know if that's a little cliche or whatever, but I think highlights the reality of the relationship that we have to creation and the dominion, the power that's given to us over creation. It also begets a responsibility, you know, as you said, Father Gregory, not to do violence to us, to our nature, to the things of creation, to the nature of the things in creation. And I think St. Augustine has done a good job. Good job, St. Augustine. Kudos. He's done a good job in pointing out and bringing to bear the wholeness of creation and how it all fits together and works together, not in just a sense of like, everybody gets along kumbaya, but even the fact, you know, as we talked about yesterday, if you tune into yesterday's episode, even the fact that in creation, the creation of the waters, the creation of the things of this earth, he sees the sort of seed forms of our spiritual regeneration and baptism in the Holy Eucharist. So it all is of a piece. So it's not as if we're given dominion authority just to abuse or like do what we want, but as, as like, I don't know, caretakers, guardians, but recognizing that the things that are lower in the hierarchy of creation also exist to serve us. You know, food exists for to be eaten, to nourish us, but also, as we heard yesterday, to be made into the Eucharist, so to nourish us spiritually. So we can see then it's also the the why here. It's like, do we have to have? Well, in a sense, yes, because there's an order to creation and it's guided and, and moved in a particular way. Another thing that might kind of rub against the sort of contemporary mind is is this bit that St. Augustine talks about, um, the ability to judge spiritually, to judge things. I know I hear it a lot, uh, maybe not like every day, but with some regularity of, you know, like, who am I to judge? Who are we to judge? Can this be reconciled? Uh, one thing that I that I like to remind people is that, you know, the, the judgment of things is is not it's not that we ought not see what is good and bad and then pursue it or not pursue it. I mean, and that's a judgment, but the, it's sort of the condemnation of, of people, of the states of souls that we ought not judge in that sort of way. So I guess, how do we work this out here in this, in this judgment of creation and our ability to use and exercise it, Father Gregory? Should we be judging or should we just cast it out completely? <laughs> um, yeah, so judgment and we've had this conversation in different settings but judgment is just what the mind does because there's basically three stages through which the mind progresses we grasp a thing and then we judge a thing and then on the basis of those judgments we kind of argue our way to further conclusions so judging is just comparing this to that that's all it means uh, whether you're comparing it to a standard or comparing it to another instance of you know whatever it is like a like a watermelon or like a human being whatever um, or you're comparing it to you know God's revelation and grace so judgment is is what we have to do in order to gain purchase on reality because if we're always standing aloof from reality then we're never actually engaging with it and so you can't just say like I will just perceive things and we'll just leave it at that once I've grasped it that's all I have any care in the world for because is it true is it false you know those are questions of judgment. Um, so I think the judgment is just, it's one of the necessary steps through which we pass as reasoners in order to come to a mature appreciation of reality so that we can engage with it profitably. And so when St. Augustine talks about our kind of dominion over the earth, 
were placed above it. And in coming to, to know it, to grasp it, and then to judge it, and then to reason further upon it, creation takes up a kind of residence within us. Uh, it comes to a higher status in our spiritual life than it has in a non-spiritual realization here in this world. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of our responsibility. It's part of our stewardship. You know, it's part of our dominion. There you have judge well. With great power comes great... Judgeability? Judgeability. <laughs> All right. So moving moving with St. Augustine to the next verses in, in, in 128, Genesis 128, um, we have the command and he comments on it to be fruitful and multiply. Again, like we were talking about yesterday with the creation of the waters and seeing baptism in it, the new life coming from the waters or life coming from the waters, talking about the literal sense and also the non-literal sense or another sense of one of the other senses of scripture, allegorical or whatever it might be. You know, so with the baptism of living creatures, animals coming out, but also the, you know, life coming from the water and, and baptism. Here he talks about being fruitful and multiplying in a literal and a spiritual sense. So the literal sense of having children, you know, populating the earth, but also the spiritual sense of spiritual birth, of, of spiritual life, of, of populating the earth with with Christians, of leading people to Christ, of raising children in the faith. So that's not as far as of a, of a sort of allegory as baptism with the creation of the waters and living things in them, but we can see here the twofold um, reality of, the, of being fruitful and multiplying. It's not simply just having children to populate the earth, but of in, in having children, of leading them to Christ in, in making disciples of Christ, but also of you know, converting those who are yet to be converted. So um, it's a it's a sort of high call, but we see this in the scriptures that after moments of conversion, people are led to Christ, you know, or those who have been converted lead others to Christ. I always think here of the Samaritan woman at the well, who after encountering Christ at, at the well, goes back to her town and, and leads others, you know, to Christ, preaches Christ. So yeah, I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you have more to say on this, Father Gregory? Yeah, I think that Again, at the, at the height of creation, there's an invitation for us as creatures to participate in creation or to participate in God's creative activity. Not that he doesn't need us and he doesn't create through us in the strict sense, but that we can be kind of con-creators. And, you know, you draw out this one element, super important element of welcoming new life into the world and then, you know, pouring new spiritual life into the soul of an individual through baptism and being an instrument of that change. But I also think, too, that there, there are kind of other ways in which this is expressed, and I think St. Augustine is getting at this by, by making reference to the spiritual works of mercy, because, you know, I think in, like, think in our lives or think in the lives of uh, professed religious or, you know, priests who don't have children, and yet there's still, there ought to be a spiritual fruitfulness. And so people will talk about spiritual paternity or spiritual maternity, this idea that you kind of call forth life uh, from those to whom you're sent in service or those whom you find yourself thrown in with. But I also think, too, that this is like a more broadly Christian understanding of what it means to be Christian. It's to be leaven, right? So you're, you're, you're meant to be kind of hidden within the measures of, of dough so that you can bring about in it. Um, the word I have in my mind is pullulating, which is a word that no one ever says, and I should take it back immediately. But like, there's like this teeming life at work within the world, this present evil age, and it's the, it's the work of Christians. And Christians have a capacity to coax the good out of those who didn't know themselves capable of it, uh, to call forth conversion, yes, but to also call forth like activity, like Christian activity in their communities and beyond, so that we together, you know, head and members might testify as the one worshiping Christ to the glory of God which is pretty cool. So I'm glad. Yeah, this 
The sort of responsibility dominion here also rings true, you know, in, in this command to be fruitful and multiply. It's it's incumbent upon us as men and women regenerated in, in baptism, given new life, that, that we don't sort of, I guess, hide that, that we don't hoard that, that we, it pours forth, whether it's in sort of like a spiritual paternity, maternity, or physical paternity maternity and it yeah it just brings forth life in all different ways and saint augustine finishes at least for today with these chapters mentions that you know the fruits of the earth also being fruitful also include the works of mercy of of loving neighbor so this theme of mercy is introduced to us yet again uh, reintroduced to us this theme of mercy that permeates throughout all of saint augustine's you know his prayers his commentary his recollection of his life um all of it so it's a good reminder again to be left with for today so i guess we'll end on that just this seeing these notes of mercy and creation in our lord's giving us new life etc cetera, etc cetera. it shouldn't be lost on us and this is why saint augustine keeps reiterating it so We'll leave it there. We'll pick up tomorrow. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll catch you next time on Catholic Classics.